ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We welcome you to Gospel Dynamite, a Christian broadcast dedicated to the salvation of the lost and the revival of God's people. I'm Alan Mashburn, your Bible teacher and the pastor of Asbury Baptist Church, located at 218 Asbury Church Road in Seagrove, North Carolina. We invite you to visit our church at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings and Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock. On Sunday evenings, we provide online services which can be viewed on gospeldynamite.org. Now please join me in the study of the Word of God. You're listening to Gospel Dynamite. I ask you to take your Bible. Turn with us to Philippians chapter 1, verses 23 through 26. Philippians chapter 1, verses 23 through 26 as we consider the thought, ready for heaven but needed on earth. Ready for heaven but needed on earth. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 23. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Also call your attention to verse 21 of Philippians chapter 1. Paul says, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Becoming a Christian is about the easiest thing you can do as a person. After all, the work, all of it has already been done. Jesus died on the cross to pay for sin. He rose from the dead to give life. He ascended back to heaven to make intercession for us before the heavenly Father. And the Father accepted the sacrifice of Jesus at the cross. He sent the Holy Spirit to draw sinners to himself. And when sinners do come, he gladly receives them. And he saves them by his wonderful and matchless grace, the unmerited favor of God that they have to do absolutely nothing to get. All the sinner has to do is believe. Acts 16, verse 31, the Philippian jailer was asked, What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Reiterated, of course, in John 6 and verse 40. However, after we are born again, this is when the struggles began. Before I was saved, I never understood the struggles, never understood the confusion that believers are forced to deal with on a daily basis. I mean, here we are. We're saved, we're ready to go to heaven, and we're ready to be with Jesus, yet we're expected to live in a sinful and now God-hateful world that is completely against everything that is holy. Here we are, 
surrounded by temptations and trials all around, and at the same time, God expects us to be busy working for his glory. Yet, it is the best life possible. I wouldn't trade one hour of Christian life for 1,000 years of a life without God. This is far better, but you have to admit that at times we all just want to bail out. We just want to go home. Paul is facing this problem in this text. He has reached a point in his life when he just wants to go be with Jesus. I suppose he was tired of all the trials and longed for that happy city of rest where he could be with the Lord that he loved so dearly. After all, he is in prison, and when this letter is being written, Paul is suffering from the same mixed emotions that many believers feel in our day and time. That's what I want to address. We're ready. Oh, we're so ready. So ready for heaven. But we are needed here on this earth. Verse 23, we see Paul's dilemma. According to Paul's own testimony, he is in a strait. This word is used to describe some rather colorful situations. It was used of a besieged city. The idea is of a city surrounded with no aid in sight. The people which are trapped and desperate. They're desperate for aid. They long to be liberated. It was used of a strait between two points that forces a ship into a narrow channel. As the current moves faster and the waves are far more violent in their attack on the ship, it's a dangerous place for any ship to be, and it's always a danger of being thrown onto one shore or the other. It was also used to describe a cattle squeeze that pushes in on each side and forces the animal to be stationary while the farmer applies medication that carries the image of having to endure trying times and going through things that are truly painful and not being able to escape them. It was also used of a prisoner who is unable to go as he pleases, but he's confined within the walls of his cell. Here's a man who's locked up. He still has the desire to go and be free, but he's hemmed up in the walls of his prison. And when Paul uses this word, he is telling us that he feels like a prisoner in this world. In other words, his body is here, but his heart is somewhere else. He feels the pressure of this life, and he longs for the freedom that heaven will bring. Now, if you were honest, I trust you are, how many of us would have to admit that we long to be in heaven? How many would have to say, preacher, I feel like I'm trapped by my own circumstances, by my own situations beyond my control, and I just want to be free. I know there are times when I experience the same sort of feeling. I want to go and be in heaven, 
but I know that I'm stuck here as long as the Lord de desires. I understand Paul's dilemma. But also in verse 23, we see Paul's desire. Paul's longing is actually twofold. He longs for liberty. Paul has a desire to be free from the bondage of the prisons he is in. There is the Roman prison, and then there is the prison of his flesh. Both hinder his liberty, and they hold him back. And his desire is to break free of both. Now, I feel the same way. I've never been in prison. I've preached in many of them. But I've never had to spend more than a couple hours in there, and I wasn't placed in there by a judge or any type of wrongdoing. But I do feel trapped in this body at times, and I long to break free of its confines. And that's Paul's heart as well. And he expresses his desire by using the word to depart. Now, I find it interesting that death held no fear for Paul. We often face the hour of death with fear and dread. We get so saddened when we hear of someone, especially a saint in the Lord, a believer in Christ, who has gone on. And though we will miss them, and though it is tragic for those left behind in the hurt and the pain, think of the fact that they've never been more alive because they're in the face of Jesus. We often face the hour of death with fear and dread. But when Paul considered leaving this world, he simply said that he had a desire to depart. Paul knew that death was not the end. Death is a matter of transportation. It's a matter of transferring us to glory. Allow me to spend just a few moments on that word and the wonderful truths that it expresses. This word was used in that society in four primary ways. Number one, it was a military term. The military would use this term, and it was used of soldiers taking down their tents, and that's a glorious picture of Christian death. When we leave this world, all we really do is fold up this tent of flesh and go be with Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 8 teaches us that principle so well. In addition, it was a sailor's term. It meant to loosen a ship and set sail. My friend, that's exactly what happens when a Christian comes to the end of the way. We loosen from the moorings of this old world and we sail off the glory to meet Christ. It was also a farmer's term. It was used to refer to taking the yoke off an oxen at the end of the workday. What a picture for the child of God. One day our work will be finished and the yoke of service will be removed from our necks and we will enter into his rest. Additionally, it was a traveler's term as well. It was used by travelers to speak of putting the horses into the barn at the end of a long journey. Again, that speaks volumes about us as believers. We travel through this world in all kinds of situations and, and circumstances, and one day the journey will end and we are going to be with, at home with the Lord. What a glorious thought. And finally, it was a political term. 
It was used to speak of setting prisoners free, setting them at liberty. Perhaps this was the image Paul was intending to convey by actually using the word. After all, we are prisoners in these bodies and in this world until God cuts the golden thread and allows us to come home. The day will come, my friend, when God will open our prison doors and we will be free. Paul longs to be with Christ. He sums up his desire to depart by saying that he longs simply to be with Christ. And I believe that's the heart's cry of every believer. Ever since the day God saved our soul, there's been a desire to see Christ one day. And my friend, we will see him. We will see his face. I look forward to all the sights of heaven. I look forward to seeing all the loved ones that's gone on before the, the saints of old. But my heart longs to see the one who climbed Calvary and took my sins upon him and made it all possible. The one who purchased my redemption, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the reason for my existence. He is the reason for my salvation. He's the reason of my redemption. And he's the reason I'm going home. Thank God. I want to see him. Jesus Christ will be the single greatest sight in glory. There's going to be many who, who never praise God in this world who will actually get excited about anything spiritual down here. But my friend, listen to me. They're saved, and when they see Christ on that heavenly shore, they will literally come unglued and they will praise his lovely name. Revelation 5 and verse 6 in fact, the entire book of Revelation, though it be a book of judgment, is a book of praise of the Lamb. I want you to notice in your scripture here, Paul describes heaven with two little words, far better. Paul, with all of his education, his theological upbringing, with all of his training as far as being a Hebrew, as far as knowing the Greek language in and out. And by the way, the Lord did not make a mistake. He never has, but the Lord knew exactly what he was doing when he was using the Greek language with all of its nuances, with all of its inferences, with all of its wordings and everything that the English language or any other language in the world does not possess. The most expressive language in the world is the Greek language. And Paul had all of that, his training, his education, the every item and iota of the nuances and the inferences of every bit of Greek training. And yet he chose to say only far better. Perhaps this is all Paul could muster. What he means is this. When you get Christ... You also get heaven. Think about it. We will get to see the Lord who died for our sins, and we will spend eternity enjoying his presence. Just think for a moment. Think for a moment about heaven. Thank God over there there's not going to be any problems of pain. There's not going to be any problems, period. It will be a different type of existence over there that our finite minds cannot comprehend. Revelation 21 and verse 4, 
and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, neither crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. They're gone. None of those things that hymns us in, in down here will exist over there. No wonder Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9, but as it is written, I have not seen nor heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Sounds just like a place we want to spend eternity. Do you ever get homesick? One day the wait will be over and we're going to be home. And my friend, our bodies, our souls, our spirits long for that day. Paul had a dilemma. Paul had a desire. But in verses 24 and 26, Paul had a debt. Now here's the flip side of Paul's, Paul's coin. Though he was tired from his labors, and longed to be free from his prison and to go be with Christ, Paul realized that he had a debt of service to perform for the Lord. Paul wanted to go to heaven, but he knew he was needed right here on earth. Paul knows that he is the conduit through which God is channeling his message to the church. Paul knows that he is being used of the Lord to do great things. And I might add, there's absolutely no pride here in his statement. It's just a fact. He is grateful for all that the Lord has done in his life, and he wants to do his part for God while he has life in his body. He wants to be a blessing to the saints as well in verses 25 and 26. Now, there's a valuable lesson here for every child of God. While our hearts are being tugged homeward, surely there's a realization that there is a great work to do here on this earth. Obviously, God isn't going to use any of us to write books in the Bible. That work is complete. But the work he can do for him is just as important and just as necessary. 2,000 years ago, Jesus pointed out to his disciples the need for workers in the harvest, John chapter 4 and verse 35. If the need was great then, how much greater is it today? Here's some truths we've got to come to terms with. God saved us for good works. Ephesians 2 and verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. God has saved us to work. In fact, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, and again in verse 11, that every saint of God has a job. Again, every saint of God has a debt. Every saint of God is going to be rewarded in proportion to his labors, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 10. And friend, we live in a world that is actually hell-bound. You and I have been given the greatest message and the greatest mission in the world that's ever been known. It is our duty to take to the world that is wallowing and perishing in sin. And we have a duty to serve the Lord with all of our hearts while there's breath in these bodies. We owe it to Christ. We owe it to the lost. We owe it to the saints of God. We owe it to the church. Our highest duty is to do our duty before our Lord.
Now, Paul felt the weight of this debt. He knew that he had a service to perform for the glory of God, and he was willing to forego his home going to get the job done for Christ. What a challenge for all of us. What a challenge for all of us to look in our own hearts and to see whose agenda is top priority in our lives. This world is, is run by agenda. The liberals have an agenda. Conservatives have an agenda. Satan has an agenda. Everyone has an agenda. My friend, the Lord Jesus Christ set our agenda at the cross. And let it be Jesus and his will above all other desires, dreams, and agendas. Paul was willing to say these things because he possessed the right kind of outlook on life. He sums up his life's philosophy of living in verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul could honestly say that his life was a true reflection of Christ on earth. He knew that while he lived, others could see Jesus living in and through it. However, he knew that if he were to die, then he would be better for it. You see, Paul was a winner either way. Paul says, for me to live is Christ, and there's nothing greater than Christ. There's no one greater than Christ. But he said, to die is to gain because I'm going to be with Christ forever. That was Paul's philosophy. And to be honest with you, I think that any other way than Paul's way that he lives here is a flawed philosophy of life. We must bring ourselves into line with God's perfect will for our lives. We must realize that while we are ready to go to heaven, we are needed here on this earth. We're needed to carry the word of God. We're needed to propagate the gospel. We're needed to stand on the premises and the promises of God. We're needed we're needed to strengthen the families. We're needed to strengthen our children. We're needed to train them up in the right way that they should go and to leave a, a legacy for God, a legacy for Christ. Look around. We're the cause of a lot that's going on in the world. We haven't trained the next generation. We have failed in training and training up and so forth. We failed and we have not come to God in repentance because we look around and we think that we've absolutely done nothing wrong, but in reality, we've never done a lot right. Oh, friend, I can say with Paul, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I have the same dilemma that Paul has. I'm so ready to leave this world. I'm so ready to leave this earth. I'm so ready to leave this world system. I'm so ready to look in the face of my Christ. I'm so ready to meet my loved ones again. I'm so ready to spend eternity with him. But the Bible says that we're needed here on this earth, and I am a servant of his, and I'm going to be here until he calls me home and until that time I'm to be a servant 
And I'm to live like him. I'm to emulate Christ. I'm to worship Christ. And I am to spread the good news that anyone who comes to Christ through salvation can spend eternity with him because their sins can be forgiven. Friend, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, would you do it right now? Would you come to Christ and would you say, Lord Jesus, I believe, I know that I'm not righteous, I know that I don't, I don't make the mark, I, I, I cannot please you. But God, I need righteousness, and you have righteousness, and I believe that you died on the cross for me. And God, I need you. Would you please save me? Would you forgive me of my sin? And my friend, God will save you, and God will cleanse you, and God will take you to heaven when you die or when he comes in the clouds. My friend, either way, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You cannot say that verse unless you're born again. Come to Christ. Consider him. Consider him today. Come to Christ and accept his forgiveness. He died on the cross for you. And you can be saved today if you'll come to Christ. Come to Christ. Come to Christ. He's the only one that can save you. He's the only one that can forgive your sin. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. We trust it's been a blessing. Trust you'll have a great week in the Lord. Log on to our website, gospeldynamite.org, and let us know if you've accepted Christ or this message has helped you. God bless you, and we trust you have a great day in the Lord.